Hello, friend. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Zach Holtz, and this is Come to the Table. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Hurt and heartache are replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are where we are. In our time together, we will step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. If you're hungry, you've come to the right place. Well, hey guys, we are uh, so excited to have another episode, uh, another interview, just an amazing uh, story uh, coming up here with a good friend of mine, Ricky Mills. Uh, we've connected a couple of years ago and just the, the impact that he has made on my life as I have made an impact on his life. Uh, it's just been incredible. So uh, very, very excited to have a special guest and a dear friend of mine. Uh, so Ricky, why don't you uh, say hi and introduce yourself? Hey, good evening. My name is Ricky Mills. Uh, friend of Zach Holtz, come a long way, and uh, I'm here to tell you about it. Amen, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you, uh, you grew up in Portsmouth, so why don't you tell us, uh, tell us a little bit, what was, what was it like growing up in Portsmouth? What are some of the memories you had when you were little, and uh, we'll just kind of kick it from there. Okay, uh, a little bit about Portsmouth. Portsmouth is uh, in the Hampton Roads region, uh, Portsmouth, Norfolk, Newport News, Virginia Beach. Portsmouth is like uh, if you Google it, it's like the worst city in Virginia. <laughs> it's the most dangerous city in Virginia. So uh, I pretty much grew up in the projects and uh, moved around a lot because, uh, you know, I was I was like in a broken family. Uh, my friends, my, my cousins, you know, everybody was pretty much uh, doing drugs. And... Uh, I grew up in a drug-infested neighborhood, gang-infested neighborhood. And uh, so I started using early. I started using when I was like eight years old uh, and uh, hanging out in the street. But by the time I was, by the time I was 12, 12, 14, I was out on the street. I was out on the street hustling and, uh, and using. Uh, so as it progressed, it started out as fun. You know, uh, and as it progressed, it got worse and worse. So by the time I was 16, 15, I was in the penal system. I was uh, had got kicked out of school in the seventh grade. And I, I, when I got kicked out of school, I had a burglary charge, and I, I was sent to the uh, Beaumont Learning Center. From then, it was like it was like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. After I after I did what I had to do in Beaumont. They didn't release me till I was 18. They was trying to hold me till I was 21. But, uh, you know, it became a revolving door, and I started going back and forth to the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. I was, I've been in penitentiary like six times, mm-hmm. mostly because of the drugs. You know, I never, uh, I never had a, a relationship with God, and, and I mean, the relationship I did have, it was like I call on them when it get hard, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. everybody yeah. do, like you know, <laughs> when the, when the, when the door slammed beside behind mm-hmm. me, I'm laying there on that cot by myself. I call on them, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, help me out when he when he, he helped me out and, and the doors pop, I'm back in the game, back in the race, you know. Uh, I was, I mean, everything that went with the game, I did it. Mm-hmm. Everything that went with it, mm-hmm. robbing, stealing, 
you know, uh, I hurt a lot of people in my path uh, that I'm not proud of. And so, what was it? So, you know, going in in and out of penitentiary, how many times in and out of incarceration and facilities and all that kind of stuff? How did you? Uh, was that a, a hard space for you to adapt to, uh, or is it? Did you did you get used to it pretty quick? Uh, I was the old, oldest out of five. So my father was like tough on me because I was the oldest and I needed to watch out for my for my siblings. So I went in I went in pretty much with a reputation and you know uh I always been pretty much able to handle it because I was pretty much prone to being locked up. You know, not even knowing, you know, that what was happening to me, you know, uh I always heard people talk about being institutionalized, mm-hmm. and I didn't pay attention to it till I got older, and I noticed how easy it was for me to mm-hmm. go in and out the system, mm-hmm. and uh, I, so I, I, I adapted. But I always knew that God was with me because, like, when I was by myself, I knew I wasn't this tough guy that I portrayed when I was around mm-hmm. 1,500 inmates, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I done done time with, with murderers. I done done time with rapists, child molesters, all type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like God had his hands on me because he always kept me into some type of educational mm-hmm. situation, you know. So I did get my GED while I was in the penitentiary. That's good. You know, well, so then when you when you get out, you know, after this five or six times and and then what is what what does life look for like for you uh, on the streets of Portsmouth? You've been in and out of incarceration. Like, tell us a little bit as you kind of move towards that that rock bottom moment. Kind of what what does that look like? It's like every time I came home, I had a I had an idea what it what I wanted it to look like. But when reality hit. All I knew was the corner. Mm-hmm. All I knew was the streets. And that was my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to do something else, uh, you know, go to work or whatever, you know, I, I just couldn't adapt because the streets was my comfort zone. So now I'm trying to work and play the streets at the same time, mm-hmm. and I'm burning the counter at both ends, and one of them got to go. And it ain't going to be the streets, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, Every time I, I, I did the same thing, I got the same thing, mm. you know, so. Uh, but every time you did it, did you expect a different result? Yeah. 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 I always had, <laughs> I always had a game plan. This time would be different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah this I, time, those other times didn't work. I it, ain't going to get high. This one's the one. Yeah. yeah. I'm going yeah. I'm to I'm stack some money mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm going to be successful in the drug game, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, you know, that never lasted long. It never lasted long. All it took was, you know, I could go out there a hundred days, but it all all it took was one day for the police to catch mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And you know, because of my uh, background and my history, I was convicted a lot of times because of my reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, like I say, you know, I know God kept His hands on me because I was never cut, stabbed, shot, mm-hmm. none of that. And I've been in some spots that. 
you know, like the average mm-hmm. person would not dare yeah. <laughs> go to, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the wee hours in the mm-hmm. morning, two, mm-hmm. three, four in the morning. So, you know, I always knew that uh, I had some angels around me, man, you know? Yeah. So uh, So how did you get to, talk to me about the, the, the rock bottom experience and how the door opened up for you to come to Bristol? Okay, uh, it was it was it was deep, man. Uh, I was in the penitentiary, and uh, you know, penitentiary don't stop you from getting high. Yeah. So I'm on the uh, I'm on the weight pile, smoking smoking weed. I'm getting high early in the morning because mm-hmm. I had a you know I knew I knew how to get around the penitentiary. Where I ain't had to go out and work hard as everybody. So uh, they called me to the front office and say the major want to see me. So I'm thinking that somebody had told that I was getting high. So I try to clean up. I run up there, go to the major. He said, come on, walk with me. So I walked with him to a conference room. And when he opened the door, my three sisters and my brother sitting there. Mm-hmm. So I knew something. I knew right mm-hmm. then something won't right. And uh, told me to sit down. So they was like, you know, we got something to tell you. And uh, I was, you know, I already knew what it was. I was like, she gone. You know, that was my mother, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, my mother had me when she was 15, so we, we grew up together, you know, and uh, it wasn't nothing you could tell her wrong about me. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was a crucial moment because that was my go-to. When I go home, my mother would always keep a two-bedroom where me and my brother would have somewhere to come, you know, uh, if anything went wrong. But now uh, it was pretty much gone, but I still had my father, so... When I, w- I come home, I, I would go to him. Uh, but me and him, his our relationship was kind of off, so I wouldn't be there much. But it was some kind of foundation. But I end up going back to jail, and uh, this time my father died. Mm. So uh, when I come home, it ain't no home, you know, because my sisters and brothers, they got their own place. They welcome you in, but you know how that go, you know. So... Uh, and then I always tried to be pretty much independent, you know. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm in the streets now. I'm in the streets, uh, uh, running the streets. I got me a car so that I made that my home. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my home. I, I slept there when I, I needed to sleep. And uh, I found myself getting, like, out of control high. You know, I mean, it it's was right. like, yeah. yeah, one time I could hustle. I could maintain by selling something and, and 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 doing this and doing that, but now I'm to the point where I'm not even doing that no more. Uh, all I'm doing is getting high, mm-hmm. and where I come from is drug infested and gang infested. So if you're not getting no money with the drugs and you're not in the gang, uh, in no gang, mm-hmm. you pretty much in the way. You collateral damage, you know, and uh. Like I say, it's one of the most dangerous cities in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, people dying. People dying every day. I used to park my car, and one day I come to park my car, and uh, it's some, uh, the police there, and, and there's some uh, yellow tape around it. Mm-hmm. And uh, come to find out, a boy was sitting there in his car. Somebody ran up, opened the door, blew his head off with his, his, his son in the back seat. Mm-hmm. You know, so that pretty much tell you where I'm at. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a war zone. Uh, so uh, 
Yeah, man, that's when it, it got out of control. Uh, I was on probation. I knew any day that the probation officer was going to violate me. Uh, I couldn't work, couldn't hold no job because of my habit. It, it was ugly. It was ugly, man. It was it was unbearable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day, man, uh, <laughs> my my uh, axle popped on my car, and my car rolled in the middle of the inter- the highway. And I just dropped my head on the stern wheel. I said, God, I can't do this no more, man. Mm-hmm. You got to take this from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do nothing with it. So uh, I pushed the car over and everything. Uh, my brother came through and uh, took me to his house. He came in the house and said, yo, I got this number, man. And I think this guy's intervention for you. <laughs> I'm laughing at him, you know, I ain't thinking about that. So he said, look, me and my wife going to the store. Call this number. So uh, I call the number. I call the number just to check. I'm looking for them to tell me that it ain't no beds, my insurance won't pay for it, or any excuse. Right? Uh, but the lady uh, listened to my story, and she asked me when was I trying to come to Galax. Mm. And I told her yesterday. And she started laughing. She said, well, can you be here tomorrow? <laughs> and uh, at 3 o'clock, I told her, I asked her, could I be there at 7 o'clock? I, you know, because uh, I had this feeling that, like, death was all around me, man. And something really bad was going on. I didn't think I was going to make it back to jail, mm-hmm. you know. And... Uh, but well, let me pause you there for one second. I just want to uh, thank you guys again for listening to Come to the Table on WEHC 90.7 and Wise FM 90.5. I'm your host, Zach Holt, and we're having a great conversation uh, with Ricky Mills, uh, the uh, house manager for our 117 program. And he's kind of getting to a part of his story where he's uh, made his way to Galax Life Center. And then, Ricky, where'd you go after Galax? Okay, after Galax. I knew I wasn't ready to go home, 47 days, so I knew I wasn't ready. Uh, but they offered me a program in Bristol. Now, I'm five hours away from home in the mountains, and they they trying to send me two more hours in the mountains. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, <laughs> maybe I can, you know, go back, go to New York or Baltimore and make it, but I know that wasn't going to work. I know it wasn't going to work. So uh, I accepted the two hours because it was – to the point where it wasn't what I wanted no more. It was what I needed. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in Bristol Lifestyle Recovery. Uh, when I got there, it was it wasn't what I expected. Uh, the first thing I seen was a, a homeless person pushing a cot. I didn't expect that, right? And it was a little city. So, uh, but when I got in Bristol Lifestyle Recovery, it was like everybody that I needed was in the place that I needed them to be. And uh, they pointed me all in the right directions. So I started accumulating my uh, my ID, my, my license. Uh, I'm working the program. I became a mentor in the program. I had a new, like, a new feel, you know. I don't know if it's being in the mountains. I don't know what it was, but it was like a... Uh, it was it was it was it was like blessed moments. Mm-hmm. I knew they was blessed moments because things was happening to me that if I had it in my hands, it wouldn't have went that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, while one in while in, in Bristol lifestyle recovery, that's when I 
I ran into you. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Zach came to me one day and said, uh, I, I, no, I went to him and he said, uh, yeah, well, tell me your story. <laughs> I tell him my story. He said, I get back with you. And uh, uh, you know, I took it like that. And uh, he got back with me, man. Uh, I worked my program. I went to church services. I, I seek God with my heart. And uh, next thing I know, he was opening doors. I was approached by the staff saying, uh, Ricky, we think that you would be a good fit for the program next door, the Mark 117 program. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, uh, you know, I tried. So at the interview, when I sit out and talk with you, it was like uh, he made me a, a bet. <laughs> it was like if you if you do this program wholeheartedly, dedicate your, your life to God, and, 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 and do this for real, I guarantee you that your life won't look the same in a year. <laughs> And uh, I say, so you telling me this book right here going to change my life in a year? He said, I guarantee you. And uh, here it is two years later, and uh, I don't know. Uh, was it true? <laughs> it was more than true. <laughs> <laughs> it was more than true. Uh, never dreamed I'd be sitting here talking to nobody on a radio station. But uh, I done been, I'm a I'm certified peer support specialist in Tennessee. Went to Virginia Highlands Community College. Graduated uh, uh, ASAC program, counseling assistant. Uh, graduated with honors. The manager at the 117, which I oversee 13, 14 guys, making sure that they got clean urine, paperwork done, dues paid mad responsibilities uh and uh I enjoy it. I'm able I'm able to communicate with people. Uh God God showing me that uh, I do have a gift. Mm -hmm. That everything I went to wasn't wasn't a waste. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like where what I went through pretty much prepared me for where what he got because I know he's not finished. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be taking another peer support class so I could be certified. I got I'm certified in Tennessee, mm -hmm. but I'll be taking the peer support mm -hmm. class on December the fourth to be certified in Virginia. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cool hearing you and and just know, knowing you personally and, and knowing your story uh, and knowing just honestly what what we've seen you know to to work well the the men and women in recovery who who tend to be successful and thrive because um, there's a difference between like sobriety and recovery right it's not just that we're not drinking and not using but that we're choosing life we're choosing to pour out what God has poured into our lives uh, we say in recovery all the time that if you want to keep it you got to give it away right and so your role uh, as a house manager 117 like you said kind of some of those administrative sorts of things um, but also I mean your your door's got to be open to people 24 7 so what what does it do for you? How how does pouring into others strengthen your recovery? And and why do you want it like you're pursuing peer support special? So like you're pursuing like a vocational path in uh, recovery ministry, recovery work. Um, how does working with others in recovery strengthen your recovery? Uh, well, it's it's like this. 
they told me that I had to give it, I had to give it back, to keep it, and uh, I, I vowed to, uh, to do this thing wholeheartedly because I know, I know what's behind me, I know what's back there, and it's not an option, it, I, you know. So to move forward, I work all, I, I take all advice concerning recovery, uh, giving it back, giving it back. I tell my story. I tell my story so it reminds me where I come from, what I've been through, and where I'm at. Uh, and, and I also tell my story with hopes that I get other people hopes and dreams, you know, that they can do it. Because I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> I've been in the trenches, and if I can do it, you know, anybody can do it. Uh, Giving back means reaching in the pit and putting my hand out. I might can't walk your walk, but I can put my hand out and I, I can try to pull you up. Uh, so that's 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 what keeps me keeps my recovery intact because I don't put in a lot of work. I don't put in a lot of work. I'm living a righteous life. I'm not just existing no more. I'm living. So all this helped me in my recovery. Mm -hmm. All staying in recovery helps me in my recovery. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and we say, you heard me say before that we're not, we're not truly free until we're helping others find freedom, right? Yeah. Uh, and there is a sense in which if we are not actively working towards the facilitation of liberation for others, trying to help them experience the freedom for, that we found, um, then in effect we're, we're not fully living in to the calling of God on our lives because it's not like if it's if it's all about me and my freedom like yeah that's okay like at least I'm not shooting dope anymore sleeping behind a building but if it's 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 more than that it's bigger than that right to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine and I think sometimes we come into recovery with this narrow like man I, I just don't want to rob my mom anymore I just don't want to sleep in a you know behind a dumpster anymore and it's like like, man, when we step up, uh, God shows off, you know, and it's just when we get to that place. And one of the things I, I wrote as you were talking is three words, uh, surrender to win. Um, and the way that we find victory, uh, the way that we find uh, recovery, not just sobriety, but the way we find victory is that we have to admit defeat, right? It's the only context where an acknowledgement or admission of defeat um, is an ensuring of victory, right? So we surrender to win. And when you shared the story of you head hitting the, the uh, steering wheel in the car and just getting to that place where you're just like, I can't do this anymore, now, unfortunately, uh, we can't get anybody there. So how do you know? Because one of the questions that, that we're always kind of wrestling through in, in our roles is, like, what's the difference between uh, helping and enabling? Like, how do you know? How do you know if someone is primed for investment, primed to pour into? Uh, what, what kinds of things would you be looking for? And what's the difference between, you know, helping and enabling? Okay. Um being in the 117 program and you pouring in to me, I've come to the conclusion that I can't do it because every time I try to do it, I mess it up. I mess it up bad. I know that God can do it, and I know I got to let him. Um, so when I'm pouring and 
in, into somebody else. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what 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 makes it so worth doing. Mm -hmm. I help a dude get into the program, and uh, since then he got in touch with me, and he done finished one program. He had another program, and at the at the foundation of it, because he know my walk. He 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 talk he talk about God, mm -hmm. you know. So I look for somebody that's uh, that's 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 faithful, that's available, and that's teachable. Mm -hmm. And when I see that light, and I know I see the hurt, I see the hurt they done been through. Mm -hmm. But I say something, and I see that light. Mm -hmm. I know that they they read it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I can't. I can't save the world. I can't save everybody. Um, it's people that that I see that I mean, family members, uh, friends, that I I wanna you know I wish I could work some magic, but I I can't you know. Uh, but you know yeah. I don't I don't seen people like I don't seen people take what I got mm -hmm. and use it and it. It's not me. Mm -hmm. It's not me. It's like I'm standing outside myself mm -hmm. and watching me save people now. Yeah. I ain't robbing. I ain't mm -hmm. taking nobody. Mm -hmm. I ain't. I ain't. You know. Uh, I sleep at night. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, man, this one seventeen program has been. It's it's a journey, man, and it keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. You know the gift that keep giving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is just like it's a it's a completely different mindset, right? It's a completely different mindset because one of the biggest shifts that has to happen in recovery is to go from me into we, right? Because so many of us that are trapped and shackled in addiction and bondage, uh, all we can see is ourselves. It, it's all about me, and self centeredness is at the core. Uh, of addiction. And so in order to shift out of that, we got to flip that M upside down and go from me into we and begin thinking about others, uh, having concern for them, having compassion for them, because it's only when, when we give it away that we truly get to keep it. Uh, so Ricky, as we uh, wrap up here, if you could in, in two sentences uh, speak a word over the person who still is in the midst of their mess, still in the midst of addiction, what would you say to that person? Uh, you're listening to a guy that been there, man. Uh, I hope you can tell in my voice. I hope you can tell in my story that uh, it's it's the real it's re it's the real thing, man. Uh, and if God will do it for me, you know He'll do it for you. That's good. That's good. Well, man, uh, thank you so much, Ricky, and thank you out there for joining us on this episode of Come to the Table. We hope that it has been an encouragement to your recovery. Uh, and maybe created in you a, a curiosity about what it means to live into a radical new mindset of selfless service to others. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, uh, coaching maybe on how we can help you to more faithfully walk with others in their time of need, we would love to connect with you and pour into you. If you're interested in recovery resources uh, or creating intentional spaces uh, for spiritual growth, uh, you can reach out to us at thetablebristol117 at gmail.com. Uh, guys, you don't have to walk this road alone. Hope, redemption, Beauty from ashes, light from dark are all closer than you know. Grace and peace to you, my friend. <laughs>